What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Thanks once again to John Milkey at Blast Podcast for producing these episodes and getting them out despite us still not being back in our studios. For many of us, life is still somewhat on pause. For some of you, though, things have like never been busier during this pandemic. And if you're a professional athlete, well, I'm not sure how many of you are actually listening to this right now, but life has come to a very uncomfortable and scary standstill. So let me dig in for more on this topic. You can hand him a hockey stick and he can shoot a pair of running shoes and he will sprint from the blocks. You can throw him a football and he'll run into the end zone and then he'll celebrate while playing on his guitar. Essentially, he is what my friends and I would call the man of all seasons. But that's not the reason why Brendan Galanders is joining us today on the podcast. This hometown talent, well, kind of, we'll get to that, and former Ottawa UGG's player and kinesiology major is a fan favorite with the CFL's Red Blacks. But with a season on hold, life on hold, Brendan is going back to his roots and to his education, helping others stay on track with their health and wellness goals and giving young athletes an added advantage for their own uncertain futures. We're talking nutrition and fitness and recovery. We're talking staying on top of mind and on top of your game, even when the finish line is not quite known. So I'm really excited to have uh, Brendan joining us. Great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Leanne. It's it's awesome to be here. Okay. I, I you know, sometimes it's really tough to schedule athletes in, you know, between training camps and training and game days and, you know, needing to get into rehab and recovery. Life has really slowed down for you these last couple of months. How are you holding up? Uh, it's It's been a little bit of a challenge from uh, a training standpoint and just uh, a mental standpoint, keeping my head in the game. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a great support system and uh, OSEG and the uh, staff down at Lansdowne has uh, basically given me everything I need um, to continue my journey and prep uh, for hopefully an eventual season. <laughs> for a lot of athletes, and I was thinking there's there was an aspect of recovery of your like injuries have been healed. You know, the body hasn't been beaten and bruised in game days and, and injuries. Do you feel a sense of that your body has had a chance to recover from any of the injuries that might have incurred? Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely one positive um, of uh, what we've all been going through. It, it's forced me to adapt to uh, my training. I've been doing a lot more bodyweight exercises, um, a lot more yoga. Uh, I kind of renewed my passion for that. And uh, like you said, just just through that sort of time off and away from the grind of actually being on field, um, my body does f- feel great. It's uh, hasn't felt this good for a few years. A few years. Okay. So mentally, can I hit on that right now? I mean, we have so much that I want to get to, but I'm really fascinated by um, what athletes have had to do to stay focused, to stay somewhat in, you know, like that visualization of what it would feel like to be in a game, you know, environment or to keep up that training, because there's a difference between being able to self-motivate and the difference between having 60 of your teammates with you on the field, kind of getting through practices. So 
what was it like for you kind of as we were into the pandemic and into the social distancing and kind of being on our own that you started to realize that life was definitely going to be different, that training camp wasn't coming around anytime soon and watching the headlines, watching the decisions as decisions were made? Yeah, I mean, first first and foremost, um, I, I miss the guys, you know, when you spend every day together for about six months, um, you grow attached. So uh, it's a little bit hard not being able to see uh, the family that we've built down at Lansdowne. Um, so that's one challenge. And then obviously not being able to train the way I want to or have access to the equipment that I need uh, was definitely another factor that has made this period or transition difficult. Um, but, you know, for, for me, the biggest thing was just establishing a routine. And uh, that routine has kind of guided my way through the quarantine. And I've, I've really kept it very similar on, on a weekly basis uh, from the very start. And um, it paid off, you know, luckily we just started getting back into the facility. The facility reopened uh, two weeks ago. So now I'm back training um, at TD place in the way that I want to. And um, like I said, my body feels good. And I really physically don't feel like I missed a beat from my time off. And I credit that for my ability to stay in a routine and maintain that. Okay. You're a disciplined professional athlete. All right. <laughs> let, let, let's let, like, let, we're starting off at that aspect. I mean, this is your life. This is your livelihood also. Have you been able to have similar conversations with your teammates or has it been different for those who might've just been excited to get into the league or to speak with teammates who were probably on the verge of this might've been their last season. Retirement was right around the corner. Like everyone's kind of coming into this with a very different mindset and experience behind them. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of frustration involved um, from a training standpoint. I know actually a, a lot of the guys in the States, their training didn't really halt. Um, obviously, the U.S. approached the, the quarantine periods and stuff like that a little bit different than we um, did here in Canada. And I don't want to say it's less strict, but I think that um, a lot of more of our facilities in Canada closed down. And obviously, the Americans not being able to cross um the border right now is, is a huge aspect. And then uh, just, just the unknowns, um, you know what, from our standpoint um, as CFL players, we aren't being told a lot from the league. We don't have a tentative start date. Um, the majority of us don't even know if the CFL is going to honor our contracts right now. So um, I mean, from a professional and a job standpoint, our lives kind of at a, at a halt and a crossroads right now where there's just a lot of what ifs Um and that's, that's a little bit of a different situation that I don't think any of us have experienced before. Right. There's, there's sometimes that financial concern, you know, and I've known enough of you over the last 20 some years that, uh, you know, some of you have other jobs, uh, other things to do in the off season. It, you know, there's a lot of you coming at this from very different ways. So are you, is there a fear? Like, is there a sense of that, of what, what is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I know a lot of guys are scared. I mean, we at, at the end of the day, we're professional athletes, but we're human beings that need to provide for our family. And um, my biggest issue with this being dragged on without um, having any sort of uh, decision dates or knowing whether we're going to get paid or when, um, it's just that if the season doesn't end up happening this year, some guys will have missed out on opportunities for full-time work um, over the past few months. And uh, I mean, that's kind of a unique situation where other 
people in other jobs uh, in the world don't have to necessarily face. And I know a lot of people have been laid off. And by no means am I saying that we are in uh, the worst situation possible because I'm very fortunate um, for what I do. And I, I still feel like I'm in a good situation. But there are a lot of guys with families that don't know when the next paycheck's coming. And um, that's that's stressful. And like I said, if this draws on to August and September and we find out that we aren't having a season, we just missed out on an entire summer where we could have been um, contributing to society and working full time. And uh, we weren't able to just because we were left in the dark. Okay, so Brennan, we follow each other on social media. So I have seen what you have done over the last year or so. And, and I have followed along. Right. So and I've admired it because, I, you know, it's funny. I'm watching um, Edelman's. Uh, have you watched that yet? This, you know, yeah. like he has managed. We're talking about the Patriots player here. Uh, you know, managed to kind of create this other persona outside of just what what happens on on the football field. And I found with you, you have a little bit of that also. You like to do your videos. You like to talk nutrition. You like to kind of talk about products. You'll talk about your conditioning. But I was really impressed when I saw the work that you were starting to do uh, with young athletes and talking speed and agility and taking some of the things that you've done and incorporate it with young athletes. And it's interesting because that was always your passion. Let's go back. So we always like to call you like homegrown talent. But you pretty much you were your dad was in the navy, is that right? Yeah, exactly. So you moved a lot. You moved around a lot, especially in yeah. as a child. Yeah, born in Victoria, BC, moved to Ottawa, moved to Halifax, and then came back to Ottawa. Uh, my dad was in the navy for twenty years before he retired, and we settled down in Ottawa. So okay, so that's why after the age of ten, we take to, we take full credit for you and your football <laughs> career, uh, and that you're able to play here and grow up in the system. You end up at Ottawa U. You end up actually with the kinesiology. Yep, exactly. Okay, so what was the interest for you there? What what has been the interest for you to stay in that physical environment, even with your studies? I mean, for, for me, it's it's the process of physical preparation. I absolutely love it. Um, I know we talk about the grind of the off-season and it being long when you're a professional athlete. Sometimes you have an off-season of uh, as long as six months where you're doing um, barely any football-specific training. It's all in the gym or speed training on the track or on the field. And uh, if you don't love that process, it's really hard to do day in and day out. Um, but it, it is so important to not only train proper way, but to make sure that you're covering the proper way, making sure that your nutrition's on point. And uh, it, that all basically adds up to becoming um, the complete athlete. So uh, the fact that I, I fell in love with the process of training um, very young, I, I my first, I probably stepped into the gym for the first time when I was about 14 years old at uh, the YMCA in Orleans, actually, and uh, kind of just like I said, fell in love with the process of getting ready for the season. So that's something that I wanted to um, study and further my knowledge. And uh, now that I have a good foundation of knowledge, um, I honestly feel like I, I had such good mentors growing up that I owe it to uh, the Ottawa community to kind of pass on uh, some of what I can show them. Did you? Were there things that you learned that surprised you about the human body or what it's capable of or how it heals, how it how it finds its energy, how it does things? Because that's a lot of the breakdown is the things that you studied that you eventually are, are working with now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's a ton of things about the human body that absolutely uh, 
amazes me. I mean, um, what you can put it through first and foremost, what your body will adapt to is, is absolutely incredible. If you look at some of the training that Marines go through and how their body adapts in such a short period of time, it's absolutely, um, unbelievable. And then in terms of, training methods for different sports and energy systems that your body can use. And then once I got to um, the professional athlete level, the thing that really stood out to me was the importance of recovery. And um, I mean, you can't continuously break down your body without supporting recovery because the recovery process is where you're actually growing stronger and getting bigger. And uh, the better you are recovering, the more capable you'll be able to reproduce the results day after day. So um, that's really been my focus for the past uh, few years is anybody can break their body down and your body will adapt to basically any stress that you put it under. But the better you are covering, the better your next workout will be. And that's what truly matters. Mm. It's funny because you started to say like in recovery, that's where you got bigger. And then my first thought was no to all of the women listening to this. You are not going to get bigger. Like stop, no, you know, no, so, exactly. Like for you, it's recovery in terms of the muscle. Like you are trying to kind of build and to kind of create that that muscular foundation. But recovery is just as important for, you know, the moms that are going to the gym. I, I think we we tend to think that it only applies to certain people. But our, all of our bodies, if we're putting it through a stress of a workout, need to have the proper nutrition and the proper time out for it to recover. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And it, it's funny that you bring that up because it's funny. I say I use the example of growing and getting bigger, but in reality that even from an athletic standpoint, a lot of the time that's the exact opposite of what you're, you're trying to get. And that's the biggest conversation that I have with a lot of my um, high school athletes, especially, you know, high school guys just want to pack on as much weight as they can. And they're eating 10 burgers from McDonald's trying to gain weight. And um, they're changing their body in a way that they don't move as well. And people don't realize that even for every pound of muscle you put on your body, if, even if it's pure muscle and you don't gain any fat, you still have to basically uh, also add the power and strength to overcome that added weight when you're moving. So when we're talking about sports specific training, which is the majority of what I do, even just trying to grow your muscles is, is should never be the, the main focus of training unless you're a competitive bodybuilder, which is very far from the realm of, of what I coach or what I do. So it, it absolutely, it, it applies to everyone, even if it's just as simple as getting into a routine to calm your body and mind down at the end of the day, it'll improve sleep. And the number one way to improve your health overall is to improve your sleep quality. So it definitely applies to to women, men, kids, teenagers, everybody could uh, basically use proper recovery strategies. Okay, so can you take us through then, if you don't mind, like start to finish of a day for you, when it's a training day, when you're putting in the proper nutrition, like take us through that. And I'm wondering when in any of this, am I going to find that you'd stop to take like a breath or to do mental <laughs> mental prep as well. So, okay, get, take us through. Yeah, so um, in the morning, I, I set my alarm for 7 o'clock every single morning, um, which actually I feel makes me a late riser. I am definitely consider myself a morning person, but that's normally because I'm in bed, like, just after 9 o'clock. <laughs> so I normally wake up at 7 in the morning. Wait, wait, um, you go to bed by 9? I'm sorry. Yeah. You guys are in bed at 9? Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, no that's no impressive. Okay. Yeah. I've, uh, I've never been able to stay up late. I always feel better getting stuff done in the morning. Um, and if I stay up past nine, all I'm doing is sitting and watching TV, uh, on the couch. So 
for me, recovering and getting to sleep is more important. And then I can actually get stuff done in the morning. So um, it's definitely a lifestyle choice that I have used and love. But uh, in the morning, I, I have the same uh, coffee and protein smoothie every single morning. Um, then after that, about an hour and a half from there, I'll drive into the stadium. I'll have my, uh, workout from 10 to noon at the stadium. Then I will either drive to one of the turf fields in Ottawa or a grass field by my house. And I'll normally be on this field from about, uh, one o'clock till about two, um, doing various speed training, agility, uh, running routes, football specific stuff. And then um, now I'm on the field coaching from four to six, and then uh, it'll be dinner time. I'll eat lunch somewhere in between my field training and coaching, and then uh, I'll make dinner when I get home. And that'll normally take me to about 7.30, and then I have about an hour and a half until I go to bed. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I did not I did not see you as this early to bed uh, kind of you know, it just, it didn't quite fit the persona that I had, that I had thought about. And it, so I had Tommy Europe on not long ago and he was really interesting because a lot of it came down to, I don't know, it's, maybe it's because we've gotten older, but the slowing down part, like your go, go, go is all I've heard right now. Has there been a time yet that you have started to slow down a bit? I know you had mentioned yoga or taking the time to just bring your system down because all I've heard right now is like, is go, 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 go. I mean, granted, you're incredibly young and you can do that right now, but it catches no. up. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I practice yoga on the days that I don't lift. Um, so right now that's three times a week that I do an hour's worth of yoga. And uh, I absolutely love that time. But it's funny that you say that because I've actually the past um, two years, I've worked with a mental skills coach. And the majority of what we work on and go over is uh, bedtime routines. So getting my body to calm down at the end of the day, um, because like you said, I'm all all go, go, go and wound up and uh, caffeinated the entire day, pretty much. So uh, for me, the hardest part of that is exactly like you said, calming my body and my mind so that I'm able to get the sleep, which I've already touched on. It's by far the most important um, thing that you can do to improve your health. So, yeah, together we kind of came up with a pre-bed routine that's um, I more or less go through every night that uh, helps me sleep and cool my body down before I try and sleep. Okay. So, you know, I'm going to ask you what that, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking, but you know, I'm asking you what that routine is like. Yeah, absolutely. The The main focus is that um, you target both your body and your mind. So for me, I'm the type of, with all the running and lifting and stuff like that, um, I mean, my body takes a long time to cool down, probably more so than uh, my mind. I'm the type of person that gets like super twitchy <laughs> at night when I'm asleep and stuff like that. So uh, we do what's called progressive muscle relaxation. And basically what it is, if you YouTube it, there's actually some really good guided um systems on there but basically what it is is um full body contractions so you go muscular group by muscular group starting from your feet working your way up uh to your head and neck and stuff like that and it's basically just contracting the muscles and then letting everything go and that letting everything go kind of signals to um your body that okay it's time to cool down and then in terms of uh what i do for my mind the biggest thing has been um writing writing and i've, I've never been a fan i know everyone talks about uh 
writing five things or 10 things that you're grateful for at the end of the day. But for me in my head, um, writing without prompts works a lot better than if I have a prompted question. So I just tend to um, write whatever's on my mind. And sometimes it's, well, most of the time it's as simple as uh, I didn't like the workout that I had <laughs> that day and this is how I'm going to change it I'm going to do four sets instead of three sets or change up the exercise or something like that um, because my mind's always spinning and sometimes it's as simple as that and then other times um, it's deeper conversations or things that I internalized throughout the day things that bothered me um, and uh, it, it really helps to just kind of clear my mind before I go to bed and then the trick also if, if you're going to keep a journal like that and that's what's really important is I always revisit it afterwards because especially some of the things that I have um, internalized or some issues that I've had during the day, um, going back and reading how I've handled them or how they've affected me or my mood that day uh, really basically teaches me how to handle them in the future. So I, I think that that is something that has really been a game changer for me as well. See, I find this really fascinating and there's a part of me that wants to have like any 14 year old and up listening to this because these are where the habits start to to come into play like did you is this something that came to you a little bit later or had you been doing this from the time you were young this is really only the past um two years in all honesty and what, what brought mm -hmm. it out and i'll be honest with you is conversations that i had uh like i said with my mental health coach or my mental skills coach about um certain uh feelings of anxiety and how i dealt with them uh, and this was specifically related to football, but then, I mean, obviously, naturally, you notice carry over to other parts of life. If I handle anxiety one way on the field, I'm most likely going to hang uh, handle anxiety the same way off the field in certain issues. And, uh, you know, eventually if, if you hold on or internalize too many of these things, they, they weigh you down and, um, you need to start basically getting, uh, coping mechanisms or strategies to, uh, be able to move forward and progress. And like I said, going back and revisiting the journal, um, definitely, definitely helps me out with similar situations in the future. Do you wish that you had had this, you know, as a 16, 17, 18 year old kid? I, I mean, think of the gift you could have given yourself by starting to implement this then. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, it, it's funny for sure. Like I, I definitely wish that I had uh, better coping skills when I was a teenager or younger. I mean, I, I was fortunate. I always had a, an amazing support system via family and friends, and I never felt any pressure in terms of, um, with the sport or football at all. No one ever put any pressure on, on me. And to be honest, I really didn't put that much pressure on myself either. I, kind of became a professional athlete organically. I loved the game and had fun. I had so much fun that I put my heart and soul into it. And uh, it got me where it was today. I never felt any pressure, but I know that that's not the same circumstances everyone feels today. So, I mean, and, and definitely everything's just getting more competitive by the day. So uh, I definitely would suggest anyone if if you're having issues or dealing with anxiety or whether it's sports related or anything else write it down and you'd be surprised when you reread it at how insightful or exactly how much you held inside and uh sometimes even just reading it out or blurting it out on paper just helps even if no one else is reading it except yourself it, it helps to get it out into the air and then you're able to make coping strategies yourself 
No, I, I love it. Do you incorporate any of this discussion when you talk to young athletes? I mean, I know right now a lot of it's based on speed, agility, just going through the motions on the field. Do you wish that you have these opportunities to have these discussions with young athletes or do you see yourself in them? Oh, I, I love talking with uh, young athletes for sure. I, uh, I definitely see myself in, in them and um, if they'll listen, I'll talk. And I mean, my job first and foremost is to make sure that um, I inspire the next generation and also make sure that they're having fun. There's nothing worse than being put in a situation where you feel anxiety or you're putting pressure on yourself and somebody else kind of piles that on. I've had um, experiences with amazing coaches and I've had experiences with uh, bad coaching or leadership styles that just haven't clicked with myself. Um, and I mean, it, it takes a toll. It's hard to show up. And I say hard to show up for work because that's what it is now. But at the end of the day, first and foremost, as a coach, your job is to make sure that every single person is having fun. And like I said, that's that's how I became professional. I didn't put any pressure on myself. I wasn't 16, 17, 18, 19 years old saying I want to become a professional football player. That wasn't how it was with me. I just loved the game and had fun and had such a good experience that I kept going and kept going and kept going. And like I said, eventually the opportunity arose. And that's, I guess, how I, I try and treat coaching now with, with the youth that I coach is I try and make sure first and foremost, they fall in love with what they're doing and they know why they're doing it so that they're able to um, just have fun with the experience. And even if something else had gone wrong with their day, they love the hour that they come and work with me. So I mentioned right off the lead, I mean, I know you played hockey until like what, 14, 15, you were playing decent, you were, you're a Canadian voice. You were playing decent level hockey there. I know yep. that you ran, right. You were, you, you ran track, which yep. would make sense as a, as a running back. It, it makes <laughs> sense. Huh, I, I'm surprised. At, ha, have you been recruited yet to be on the bobsled team? That seems to be the next progression for a lot of athletes, especially guys of your size and status. Have, have, have you been approached yet for that? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It was, it was actually uh, about three years ago now, but the, um, the selection camp, uh, they do it um, in Lake Placid. And uh, it was it happened to be during a training camp. So, I mean, I wasn't near the end of my career at that point. So it wasn't an option. Um, but it, it's funny that you say that. Yeah, because yeah, they, mm -hmm. they did reach out to me and ask if I wanted to uh, try oh, yeah. it out. So. For sure. By the way, I have been down that track at Lake Placid. And I oh, did. Yeah. I went I went to uh, early on in my sports anchoring career. I was down there and we uh, I did this whole series on the athletes a lot of them football that were training so we did a whole bunch of stuff at terry fox and at mooney's bay and then the sleds and all that and then we went down to lake placid and i got in um i got in the back i was i ended up being the break man but i ended up i think his name was ralph pickler or something like that and he had won the world championships on that track he was the driver that took me down wow. yeah it was an insane ride but what they should have considered is that they put a rookie who was more concerned about getting the shot and getting like my scripting right for the camera that I really hadn't paid full attention as to how I had to break and how hard <laughs> I had to break. Like, like I, I really didn't realize how hard I had to break. 
And so we're coming and he's yelling the whole time, right? Cause he's yelling certain things and I'm trying to remember what they told me. And it gets to the point where like, I really hear him screaming and I know I'm trying to break, but I didn't realize I had to put my entire body into the whole breaking part. And we, cr- we, we crashed essentially. We ran out of track. Oh, no. <laughs> no, we ran out of track. We went flying off the track. <laughs> And, um, you know, I wasn't really fully aware of everything that was going on. I like my head was down. I wasn't looking up. And once we came to a stop, he said to me that he has crashed a lot of times. I mean, his world champion and had been that was his sport. And he said he's never been more scared of what (laughs) (laughs) of what that last 30 seconds was like. Anyway, it's we crashed that we crashed the sled. Oh, my God. Anyway, I have very fond memories when people talk about Lake Placid and going down the bobsled track. Okay, so let's get back. If that was just like a sidetrack story, but it totally I haven't told that story in forever. Okay, so you are now back on the field. You're working with kids and multi-sport because you've got kids in a, a number of different sports, usually that are working on agility and speed, because what is what is the essential aspect of being quicker, of being faster, being able to pivot and turn and go for athletes in so many different sports? Yeah, I mean, exactly. When, when we talk about field sport athletes, I've worked with um, football players. I've worked with uh, women football teams. I've worked with soccer teams, rugby teams. And essentially, um, it, it all comes down to change of direction and agility skills. I mean, uh a lot of the times those terms are used interchangeably, but change of direction refers to exactly what you're talking about. Any change of direction when you're running one way, your ability to uh, quickly change direction running another way, whereas agility involves um, a, a certain external stimulus. So it's more sports specific in the sense that um you are changing direction based off the position of a different player. You're based, you're changing direction based off of any sort of external cue, me yelling, turn right. Or, uh, like I said, someone else basically coming to run into you. That's kind of, uh, agility and, um, agility and acceleration go hand to hand. And in field sports, it's very advantageous to be, uh, as fast accelerating as possible because people think of, of field sports being played on a big field. But once you get um, 11, 12, 13 players out on there, the spaces get limited. And very rarely do you see uh, players in any field sport go on uh, 50-yard runs straight running straight um it's advantageous to be able to get to your top speed as fast as possible because you're going to beat someone to the spot so for uh the soccer players i train for example the majority of coaches that coach soccer as a sport specific uh skill all train uh, endurance they'll go on five kilometer runs or 10 kilometer runs but the problem with only focusing on endurance and how fit the team is is that um they aren't going to win any races to the ball so it's it's the faster you're able to cover ground the more advantageous you're going to look on the field you don't have to be the fastest player per se but if you're the fastest accelerating, then you're going to get to the spot faster, especially when we talk about um, condensed fields and a whole bunch of players. And when you're sprinting five, 10 yards at a time, being able to change direction is exceptionally important. So you're able to have that discussion. So is it bursts? Like how, take us through like what that would be training like and then take it for like an average person who might be doing, and I love to incorporate this, but to, to incorporate intervals into training, right? Like where I, I, 
I'd often get really frustrated when I would see the same person every single day on the same treadmill doing the exact same run every day. And, you know, and I would want to go and shake them up and be like, okay, so instead of staying on the treadmill for an hour, stay on it for a half hour and every 30 seconds sprint, you know, like how much does that change, you know, what the muscles and what the body is doing? Because you see people just repeating things, the same thing. And it's just like, eventually your body, it, it just goes into cruise control. It, it doesn't even think it's working anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you said, um, in terms of, let's put it this way. I'm, I'm a professional running back and the most I've ever run in literally the last five years at one time is probably about two kilometers at a steady state. Um, I don't train endurance because the average football play lasts six seconds. So why would I go out and run five kilometers? It's just not efficient. Um, a, a word that I use all the time in terms of training is optimal. So just because something works does not mean that it's optimal for the individual. And the more efficient you can be in your training, like you said, the less time you have to spend. Why go spend? Why would you go out and, like you said, run slow on a treadmill for one hour when you can burn the same amount of calories and be working different or multiple energy systems doing 30 second sprints for 20 minutes? It's just more efficient um, doing it that way for sure. And like I said, the big carryover in terms of team sports is that you're training multiple energy systems. So your body uses different, different fuel sources, depending on the energy system that you are training. And yes, like I said, the majority of people think, think that soccer is an endurance sport, but at the end of the day, if you, if you look at the runs and the pace of the runs, they are running a long distance, but it's made up of very short bursts over 90 minutes. It's not like they're running at a slow pace for 90 minutes. And the more you train that way, the more your body adapts that way. And that's not what you want. You want fast soccer players you do not want soccer players that are slow if you look at some of the some of the best soccer players in the world right now um the big thing was about uh how high cristiano ronaldo can jump i guarantee you he didn't learn to jump that high just by going on 10 kilometer runs um it, you have to be extremely explosive you have to be extremely strong and you have to be fast to, to be able to move your body in that direction and uh so that's basically what we try and instill with a lot of these field sports athletes is that um you need to train multiple energy systems and uh a lot of the time especially in um the more competitive uh groups so the, the higher level you get, a lot of the time, the more time you get with your soccer coach, the less time you get with a physical trainer or a sprint coach. And uh, like I said, often those athletic qualities are neglected. Okay, I'm going to stop you because I'm going to have you go back like three minutes and talk about energy systems because you talked about it in a way that I think would apply um, and for people to understand how we're working different energy systems. So can you break some of those down uh, in terms of how we train and what we're looking for as our end goal? Yeah, I mean, you have your anaerobic system, which is um, basically your steady state cardio. You'll be in your aerobic system and uh, you're primarily using fat as the energy source for that. So that's basically literally covers all your day to day activities. And then when you start getting into um faster paced higher heart rate you go through basically uh anaerobic exercise you have your anaerobic uh glycolytic and then you have your uh other anaerobic systems and basically what that does is it is a faster mechanism to get your body energy 
but the problem is is that um <laughs> the the problem is that you're basically using uh carbs as a energy source and you tire quicker through that so and i say this but uh i also want to say that at any given time you're most likely using all three energy sources like the aerobic energy uh system does not ever turn off just because you are sprinting at a high pace for five seconds and then rest doesn't mean that you're only burning carbs for fuel it means that you are primarily burning carbs for fuel it might be like an 80 20 breakdown carbs to fat basically and all it is is different different energy sources and ways that your body delivers your energy um and in terms of the anaerobic exercise you also have to factor in the the lactic acid threshold your lactate levels and it, it can get super complicated but basically what i want to express is that for the average individual you're normally using every energy system all at once so when people assume that um, they want to burn fat, so they want to lose body fat. So they do long, steady state cardio. Well, sure, your body's primarily burning fat for energy, but the problem is, is that uh, you're still burning less calories or the equivalent of calories, which is the overall driver of body composition. So even though you think that you're burning more fat doing an hour of slow exercise, you're probably burning more fat doing. 20 minutes of interval training, like you said, at a higher heart rate, even though you're using a different energy system that primarily uses carbs for energy as opposed to fat. So um, that's a big misdemeanor is that people think that they have to do this steady state stuff and stay on the treadmill for an hour. But at the end of the day, the total uh, calories that you've burned over the time is what's really going to drive body composition. Yeah, because you see me smiling right there as you're as you were talking. Because I'm so I'm just I'm a really big believer in this, and and I've been you know hosting the work at the workouts that I've been doing. It's just like you gotta it's it's got to go up and down. It's got to go into speed and then calm, and then you, your body is constantly being tested, and it doesn't know what's coming at it next. I, you know, I find we get into a very serious cruise control very quickly, and people need to remember to to to, to be able to change things up. So. For you, that I mean, that's one really great way for anyone to be able to look at that. You talked a lot, and I've seen a lot of your posts on nutrition and on recovery. So what, why is that, and how has that become so important for you? And how can it apply to that 14 to 19-year-old that's trying to bulk up and to that mom that's trying to lose the final 10 pounds after having a baby? Like, how does all of it come into play? For sure. Well, I mean, w without getting too technical, um, basically from the point of when you're done your workout to the next workout, the nutrition that you put into your body is going to determine your physical preparedness for the next workout. So if you uh, break down your body or it doesn't even have to be nutrition wise, if you work out um, and exercise to an extent where you aren't able to fully recover before your next workout, then your body is not going to be capable of doing what you want it to do and instead of progressing you'll basically regress and and your body will not be able to uh grow or adapt and get stronger as well so for me uh the biggest thing like when i'm in the gym um 
I'm always just protein after I don't get anything uh, too complicated, but also refueling your glycogen stores. So if you take some sort of uh, carb supplement, for me, it's uh, gummy bears, actually. I take 17 gummy bears, to be exact, with my post-workout shake. and with Like that, a normal then, gummy bear that you can find at the drugstore, like right out of a, like, not, not like a fancy gummy bear with something added to it. No, just a normal no. sugar... Gummy bear. Pure, pure sugar, exactly, which is about 31 grams of carbs in the 17 gummy bears. And um, like I said, the, the reason why and the method behind that is because when you can uh, congest protein and carbs at the same time, it actually uh, increases the absorption rate of protein post-workout. So your body is able to uh, absorb the protein that you just ate to a faster extent not necessarily a greater because you're going to have a anabolic threshold where if you take basically it's normally around 30 to 40 grams per uh sitting and that doesn't mean that your body won't use more protein than that it means that the in terms of a hormone response your anabolic threshold it, it won't get any higher you've already stimulated it to the max um okay can you wait one second Okay, yep. wait one second. This is not telling kids that as soon as they're done their practice, they can go and have 17 <laughs> gummy bears. It's the science behind the combination with having the protein. If they're if they're not adding, I'm just, I want to make that really clear to everybody. This isn't a free for all to go have 17 gummy bears. It, it's what it does with the protein and how it all works together, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. But, but I also want to say that demonizing certain um, foods is a bad idea as well. So when, when people try and say, oh, you shouldn't eat any sugar at all, well, that's not necessarily true because your body interprets a, a carb as a carb once it's completely broken down. So at the end of the day, there, there are basically studies showing that you could literally get 100% of your daily intake of carbs from straight sugar nothing else and your body composition responds the exact same way um now the problem with that is that it, quantity it's much easier to consume or over consume sugar because it's not filling whatsoever and there's very very low nutritional value so like you said i ingest the gummy bears just because um i'm about to do another workout in an hour and the absorption rate of a carbohydrate is about one gram per minute so in about 30 minutes those gummy bears will have been absorbed in my body and let me get a little bit more prepared for the next workout so that's that's the reasoning behind like i said i, I don't want to get um too complicated but the the methods for recovery start as soon as you're done one workout because you need to set yourself up for the next workout the way that your body adapts is in the rest and recovery right essentially what you're doing when you're working out is you're micro tearing your muscles and it's the cross bridging or the repair of the muscles that actually um can elongate the muscle and also grow the muscle thickness which leads to hypertrophy which is muscular growth okay and by saying that it's either going to give you getting bulkier and bigger for athletes or it's allowing you to become a little bit more cut uh, and, and leaner, that tone look that I think a lot of people are looking for as well. That yeah, safe, yeah. Yeah, exactly. My, my point being is that if you, all you ever do is break down your body and you don't adequately replenish it through nutrition or by rest, um, you're not going to progress. You're not going to progress to the extent that you could. And I say that 
you micro tear the muscles and then they grow. But I mean, you know, just like you already touched on with the females hormones, um, there's so many factors that come into play. And I mean, when we talk about getting bigger, that's a process that we're talking about over years, not from workout to workout we're we're just talking about getting physically as physically prepared as you can to work out the next day have you been amazed at what you have been able to see or with your own body by playing around with when you have your protein how you do your recovery what types of foods you're eating like that you've been able to see and monitor your own success that way yeah, absolutely. And it, it's caused a great deal of frustration for me too, because I feel like I have a I have a great workout one day and then the next day, I mean, everyone's been there. They have a feeling that they can barely walk or can barely lift. And I'm like, hey, I, I just worked out yesterday. I'm supposed to sprint on the field. I'm a field athlete. What am I doing? If I can't sprint, then how am I going to train? Like what I do on the field is way more important than in the gym. So that's really why recovery is is on the forefront in terms of that. Um, I mean, you always want to recover so that the next day you're able to push yourself further and harder. And um, that's been the biggest eye opener for me, for sure, is that I need to be able to train the way that I want to day in and day out. And if I don't take care of my body um physically and nutritionally, I'm not able to do that. And it's, it's discouraging when you lift a certain weight on a Monday of this week, and then the next Monday you regress and you're like, why, how come that is? And it's, you really have to start looking at your nutritional choices and what you did for the rest of the week, because that's a bad indication. You're supposed to be progressing workout to workout. What are some of the go-tos for you? Some of your favorite snacks, some of your favorite tips, some of the things that you'll grab on the go or meals that you enjoy? Um, <laughs> eggs, eggs are a powerhouse food. Um, if people do not want to supplement with whey protein, which is um, really the only supplement that I recommend to everybody is, is whey protein. Um, milk is great. Chocolate milk is even better because it contains the, the sugars and the protein. Um, so there would be no need to supplement with gummy bears or anything like that. Um, I, I eat a lot of meat <laughs> on, on a day to get my protein that way. I try and get my, as many, um, as my caloric intake or, uh, macronutrient goals through whole foods, as opposed to taking supplements, um, that I can, but, uh, like you said, healthy, healthy fats, healthy carbs. So if you're going to eat a carb, make sure it's, it's complex with a lot of other nutrients in it as well. Um, Can I give an example? I, uh, I find people get confused when, when you say complex carbs. Yeah. I mean, it can literally be as simple as switching to whole wheat bread from white bread, just because it has an increased, uh, amount of fiber, uh, it, it probably has more vitamins and nutrients, um, things like that, as opposed to eating something that's white bread, which, uh, appears the same and probably tastes a little bit better, but it's lacking in some of the vitamins and minerals that you're getting out of the whole wheat version. Um, so things like that. And, and I know that a lot of people are fans or have their own preferences in terms of high carb, low carb, high fat, low fat. And at the end of the day, they all work as long as you ha are consuming the amount of calories. Like I've already said, the, the total amount of calories that you expend or take in 
uh, is really going to be the driver in terms of your body composition at the end of the day. So there's, there's no right or wrong answer. A lot of it is personal preference, but, um, demonizing certain, uh, like I said, demonizing sugars, demonizing some sort of diet, uh, the fitness industry does way, way too much of that. And unfortunately there's a lot more misinformation than there is good information. And it's, it's confusing a lot of times because you can go and Google and there'll be a thousand different answers to the best diet and uh at the end of the day the best diet for someone is the one that works for them and they're able to sustain because they're not going to stay on something that they don't like doing where are you going for your information like what or who inspires you where do you learn from what books do you kind of inhale if you if you are yeah, I mean, I, I've taken university level nutrition courses. So the majority of my information is guided from a lot of the university classes that I've taken. Um, in in terms of training philosophies, I follow a, as many trainers as I can on social media, and a lot of them put out great content um, as well. Uh, and obviously, through the strength and conditioning textbooks, there's there's some great information in there as well. Uh, but the main thing is, is like I said, is basically finding out or um, figuring out how many calories you're expending on a day. That's the main thing. People that diet without knowing that are guessing as far as I'm concerned. And I'm not saying that everybody has to count calories, but if you are able to know what a certain um, caloric intake day would look like, like, so for example, if I can eat three eggs for breakfast and uh, two sandwiches for lunch and then uh, roasted chicken breast and green beans for dinner, and that is X amount of calories, then you basically have a set understanding of what you can or can't eat on a daily basis. And it, it's easy from there. So even counting calories or using a food tracking app for a week opens up a lot of people's eyes in terms of what they can eat. And a lot of the times people don't realize that once they make healthier choices, they can actually eat more than they were before. Um, so that's, that's basically what, what opens up a lot of people's eyes. I think doing it for a week shocks a lot of people. Plus yeah. when you're putting down that you're having a burger, but then you're like, oh, well, it was actually a cheeseburger with bacon. And then you have to add those on and you actually put some ketchup and mayo on it. You know, you don't realize where a lot of the things are coming from or why you're scratching your head often going, well, I don't understand why things aren't working or I don't feel better. I'm not getting stronger. It's like there's a lot of hidden things that people don't consider. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And for every for everything that's healthy for you, there's an alternative that probably seems just as healthy, but it's not like um, burgers. Like you said, perfect example is there is there cheese on it? Are they using um, ground sirloin? Is it extra lean? Is it medium? Is it like there's so many different factors is is the bun a brioche bun, which is heavy in fats as well? Or is it a whole wheat bun? that has a, a whole lot of vitamins and minerals. There's so many options on a daily basis. So like you said, I, I really encourage everyone to track what they eat for a week. And a lot of the time, it, if you realize you can make healthier choices, you're actually able to eat more food than you were before for the same amount of calories. And uh, it's not magic. It's not magic. It's just learning how to, how to manipulate the yeah. variables in what you eat. You mentioned the brioche bun. 
Uh, we were at friends. We had, went to, a, you know, in our social distancing backyard, a, you know, patio barbecue. Uh, and they served the, the burgers with brioche buns. And like, keep in mind, like, there's not much bread in my house. Like we have like, but we'll have like a, you know, whole grain, whatever. And the kids had their burger with this brioche <laughs> bun. And they were like, it tastes like cake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Like for them, it was like, this is this, this is like cake. And I'm like, I know. I'm like, I don't know why it even comes under like the bread. I mean, it's, 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 it's cake. Right. But yeah. it's funny when you, when you don't have that, you know, just how much sweeter things actually kind of take. So I've got like just a couple minutes more to go. So for you, you know, I know that you were doing personal training, you're doing these strength, agility, speed workouts, and you're working with a, a number of organizations and with young athletes. Where are you, where's your, where's your focus right now? Like what, where's your mindset at as we're into the summer months? <laughs> well, I'm still holding out hope for a season <laughs> right now. Um, even though it might come across as a long shot I'm still uh holding out hope so still training as hard as I can to <laughs> get my mind physically it's, and mentally ready <laughs> yeah but it's and, like it's like dumb and dumber so you're saying there's a chance you know exactly, like that like exactly 99 but there's a, yeah exactly okay yeah so exactly. do you go through visualization do you play you know games in your mind you do you know it's different when you're training and you know you're working on agility and catching a ball but do you visualize that as soon as you catch the ball you're getting hit that there's a guy on top of you like how in that do you physically prepare but also mentally because it's going to be a very different change from being so long without any physical contact um to then getting back into that frame yeah i mean it's it's going to sound weird but um football is the easy part of it <laughs> it's uh, i've i've been playing since I was 10 years old, I mean, it's, it's second nature at this point. I'm not worried about the football aspect of it. I'm worried about getting my body um, physically prepared to endure uh, what it goes through over the course of the season. Like you said, getting hit and um, making sure that my muscles aren't going to give it out on me halfway through the season, um, getting physically prepared. And then uh, in terms of mentally, it's, it's hard right now. I mean, we have access to our playbooks. So I'm able to still keep my head in it that way, but, um, it's, it's tough to, uh, keep your mindset on football going into the stadium four times a week is definitely helping, but it's something that, um, I, I really don't know what's, what's going to happen with it. And, um, I mean, it's not hard to keep my mind on football just because I absolutely love it and, uh, training some of the guys and working with some amateur football players as well uh helps me mentally just because I'm able to share and impart some uh wisdom with them and take off my helmet and put on a coach's hat if you will so uh it's it's a little bit of a different perspective for me but at least it uh keeps my head in the game well I do and I think especially for those that are listening and and there's a lot of fans in the city right it's like they're this was their summer nights you know to be out and and feel like they were alive and out and watching a game and you know having a beer like there's 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 something about being live at a sporting event for a lot of people it's just it's it's their escape 
Yeah, exactly. I, I miss them all too, right? That's one of the best things that we do here in Ottawa is after the game, um, let fans come down onto the field. And I mean, I'm always out there after games and the amount of people that I meet and uh, get to take pictures with, it's that aspect is something that I miss too, because um, I mean, it, it's crazy. I, I've seen people on the field that I haven't seen in 15 years and people are coming up, hey, remember me? And um, it's always, that's always a highlight. Um and it's something that we normally get to do nine times a year. And uh, obviously, I haven't been able to, to do that yet. I, I've been fortunate enough to run into a couple of fans at um, just at a grocery store and uh, pizza place and stuff like that. So we got to talk that way. But I, I definitely miss the interaction with the, the fans and the community as well. So I'm, I'm in the same boat as them. I miss seeing them just as much. Now, it's, uh, I think we're all just in this crazy adjustment, this very surreal worlds but I think for for the kids that are able to start getting out I mean mine are finally back you know it's very different but just to see a teammate and just to kick a ball or you know it's it's that little sliver of normalcy slowly trickling back you know it's 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 really important so any last words of advice anything you want to pass on that I might not have gotten to or your top three favorite things or the book you want everyone to read what else you got for me um, biggest thing that I, I would leave everybody with is consistency is king. Um, I mean, the, like I've already said, the, the best diet for you is the one you're going to stick to. Same with, same thing applies with the best workout plan. The best workout plan for you is the one that you enjoy doing and, uh, the one that's optimal for you and the one that, uh, you're going to stick to doing. And, um, changes don't happen overnight. Um, that goes for mental changes and physical changes as well. So, uh, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing for a prolonged period of time and stick with it and you'll be able to see some changes. So what's that for people to look up uh, on YouTube for they're going to sleep? Uh, it was progressive muscle relaxation. Okay. So, and how long will that take you to do? Oh, it's a five minute routine. Five minute okay. routine. It's, it's very similar to um, guided meditations. I'm not sure if you're familiar with any of those things. They have a ton of guided meditations on YouTube as well. And progressive muscle relaxation has a ton of uh, um, guided uh, training uh, as well. No, I, I do. I love them. And I actually do it with my youngest because she has issues going to sleep. And so I've tried it. Some days it works. Some days she fights it. It just depends <laughs> on. <laughs> but she's going to bed at least two and a bit hours later than you, Brennan. I mean, this yeah. nine o'clock cutoff for you. I was just like, wow. That was like my morning show days. Yeah, I well, I really appreciate it. Where can people go? I mean, you've got a lot of information on your Instagram. Where would you where should people go if they're looking for more other than going to the Red Blacks page? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, on my Instagram page, Beagleander is 25. Um, I also have Twitter, and uh, I always have an open-door policy with anyone. I mean, I'm super easy to get into contact with. So if anyone has a question, training-related, lifestyle-related, anything, just reach out. I'll, I will literally answer everybody to the best of my ability. So um, it's never a problem. I love meeting new people, and uh, this is my passion. So I love talking about it. 
Well, it's wonderful. It's been great to have you uh, on board. And I really, crossing fingers, uh, I know that, uh, you know, I'm close with Nigel and Melissa. Nigel, they just had their baby, right? And so it's kind of like, uh, you know, I was like, well, Nigel had some wonderful quality time with little Luca uh, through this, but I know he's dying to get back on the field. So really hoping that for the sake of all of the players and the league, and really for the sake of the league, and I won't get political, but, you know. We want you guys around. I think Canadians need it and, uh, and and to be able to find a way to kind of get this up and going. So, Brendan, really appreciate you being there and some really great information. And I hope um, some people actually try to incorporate some of that, the sleep techniques. And you have some wonderful kind of little tidbits of information to be able to pass on. So I really appreciate it. For all of you that are listening, that is another episode of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Please continue to share and to subscribe and to like and to let your friends know about it. It is awesome to be able to see the podcast growing from coast to coast and across all oceans. All right. Have a great day, everyone. See you back here next week. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.